Blog Talk Radio. All we say to America is be true to what you said on paper. If I lived in China or even Russia or any totalitarian country, maybe I could understand some of these illegal injunctions. Maybe I could understand the denial of certain basic First Amendment privileges because they haven't committed themselves to that over there. But somewhere I read of the freedom of assembly. Somewhere I read of the freedom of speech. Somewhere I read of the freedom of press. Somewhere I read that the greatness of America is the right to protest far right. And so just as I say we aren't going to let any dogs or water hoses turn us around, we aren't going to let any injunction turn us around. days ahead, but it really doesn't matter with me now, because I've been to the mountaintop. I don't mind. Like anybody, I would like to live a long life, longevity has its place, but I'm not concerned about that now. I just want to do God's will. And he's allowed me to go up to the mountain. And I've looked over. And I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you. But I want you to know tonight that we as a people will get to the promised land. Ladies and gentlemen of America, this is AJC Radio, where we bring the message of justice all around the world. Tonight, we continue and conclude our series on the FBI secrecy, the start, the beginning of corruption, and just behavior of abuse. We take off right now. Hang on. And there you have it. I'm Lamont Banks along with Kendrick Barnes, Samson Riddle, William Williams, Dennis Merritt, Cliff Stewart, and the entire AJC radio team tonight as we continue our discussion uh, and concluding this series tonight on FBI secrecy. Uh, and we, we named it the start of corruption. And again, this is the final show on this uh, for the near future. And uh, we're very happy to have you tonight. And uh, uh, Dennis, how important it is to how important is it, rather, to have this discussion 
and to really conclude this, we can't never cover all that we have seen uh, in our nation regarding the FBI. Let me make this disclaimer very clear. Uh, we are not speaking about the entirety of the FBI. Uh, for the FBI men and women that put their lives on the line every single day, uh, we salute you tonight. We thank you for your service and for the protection of this nation. So make no mistake about it. However, now we speak to the other side uh, where we talk often that in many and probably all organizations across this country, uh, you have bad apples. I heard that as a little kid. One bad apple spoils the whole whole basket or the whole bunch, but uh, we want to be very clear in that statement. Uh, for those, again, that put their lives on the line and protect this country uh, all across the United States, we thank you again for your service. And for those that honor the badge uh, of the FBI, uh, we salute you tonight. But tonight we deal with the other side, and again, concluding our series on FBI secrecy and the start of corruption. Uh, Dennis, how important is it that we definitely get this message out? It's very important. Uh, there's, there's a lot of things that, that go on uh, that the FBI does uh, that shouldn't be done. I mean, we're talking surveillance. We're talking uh, illegal access to uh, uh, telephone, uh, you know, calls, phone calls, uh, bank, banks, uh, you know, people's uh, actual their accounts. So there's a lot of stuff that they do. And then, you know, to put someone in somebody's company as a spy, you know, to, to dig up information that, that they can later use on uh, that, that company. I mean, I was reading a story where a company, they actually uh, got them out of business. They, they made them look so bad and, and, and come to find out the company wasn't doing anything wrong. But because they have that power uh, to put somebody in there and that person, you know, comes out and lies on that company, it, it was a tragedy because they lost everything, all because... You know, it was a it was politically backed, and and the FBI felt that hey, we got a case. They went after them, and once they go after you, it's, it's very hard well, to it, win. No, no, for sure, it's difficult to uh, to come back from that. It's because of the prestige of the office of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. Sure. That's why people are scared about it. Uh, I remember going through trial uh, when I was wrongfully convicted in this state. The statement from the judge was to the jury because of the prestigious position of the jury of the district attorney's office and what comes with that uh that is why the it was more favorable to the prosecution to a jury they believe high entities in government as the fbi the irs that is why it is simple to convict because they believe these institutions to be honorable and that's one thing excuse me that's one thing that's critically important that we understand that is the uh, mindset of the average the average American. That's true. Uh, if the IRS or the FBI or whatever you have, the CIA, any of these entities are considered to be honorable, and since that is and that is a culture that that is already in place in this country. Uh, but at the end of the day, it, fairness is fairness, right is right, uh, and to do some of the things that we have discussed over the last few weeks on this program uh, is appalling uh, down to the fact that family members have even lost uh, loved ones to suicide exactly. as a result of uh, the actions and the behavior of some, and let me, again, some of the FBI and its agents. So we're going to dig into that a little bit further. William, your thoughts on that? 
Well, you know, even as Dennis was talking, you know, we we've lived that. You know, we've seen how what the FBI can do and has brought down good men wrongfully, brought down a, a, a about or attempted to bring down a company. And you see this. I mean, this is the way they do business. And we talked about this on a previous show where we talked about once you are on the land on their radar, their their actions after that are just about your demise. That's what they want to do. They've seen something. They want to bring you down. Um, previous show we talked about how even they turned on their own informants. This is something that we as citizens we need we need to understand and digest. We've seen it here in the past couple of years where we, we've seen local law enforcement um, try to cover up for each other. Don't you think it, it makes common sense that the FBI does the exact same thing? They have probably even laid out the playbook for a lot of the things that we've seen. And so now it's become, as, as we have citizens now armed with, with cell phones that have cameras, now we're capturing things like that. And these things are becoming more and more clear. More and more clear we're seeing evidence of corruption. At high levels, uh, you know, a, an agency like the FBI, like you said, that is revered and oftentimes, you know, seen as these, you know, uh, white knights when they show up. But there's the dark side of that. There's those agents that are manipulative and they're manipulating situations and circumstances to get the outcome that they want. Oh, for sure. And, you know, and so we need to understand that. We need to understand this playbook and that it is in play right now. And we and like you said, there's a lot of good agents that are that are sacrificing their lives, ties with their families, so forth and so on to try to bring about, uh, you know, into corruption, into terrorism, things like that. But then there's those that are doing things underhanded, and that's what we need to address. Uh, and like you were saying, William, you know, just like the the illegitimate stuff that a lot of people are doing. I mean, you see it from the very top of the FBI all the way going down. Like, I mean, you've heard like. Call me. You've heard of Mueller. You heard of like all their, even like some of their staff members, their you know assistants. All these people, they've all been caught up in some type of scandal, some type of cover up, some type of something where they're doing something that is definitely not above board. You know, they're using every type of thing they can to gather information on citizens, gather you know data, capture you know like facial recognition, all kinds of stuff, just so they can have something on you when they decide to drop the hammer. I mean. It doesn't bother them to violate your constitutional rights. The Fourth Amendment doesn't even exist to the FBI. Well, well look, uh, these, are, these are a number of things we'll discuss, Dennis, as we were talking moments ago. Uh, these are issues that have to be addressed. As I, as I addressed last week about the LASD-9, and again, uh, people have an opinion one way or the other on that side of that story. Uh, we're going to get into that. We're going to hear from some of those sheriffs. And again, uh, in every institution, in every, whether it's county jail, federal prison, state prison, you're going to have the good, you're going to have the bad. We are going to address some of those issues. We interviewed some of the LASD-9. We want to get some of their thoughts of how the FBI, at least at their part, went in there and did what they did is uncomprehendable. Doesn't take away if there's anything going on. In county jail, if there were officers that may have not done what they should have done, doesn't does it doesn't put all of them in the same bunch? And that we want to be very clear as we progress in this show, uh, we're, we're going to get into that. We're going to get into why the FBI felt a god complex, if you will, to do whatever they want to do 
and be excused of that behavior. We're going to get into that. Ladies and gentlemen, hang on to your seat. Tell your neighbors to tune in. This is Agency Radio, our final part of our series tonight, FBI Secrecy. The start of corruption continues. This is AJC Radio. We'll be right back. Diversity is a huge part of our society. We need it. It's instrumental, invaluable. If you leave out certain people, you then in turn really limit creativity in society's ability to solve problems. That's what we can do in the next four years. Our world is not singular. There are so many voices and experiences that deserve to be heard and expressed. Diversity is really the key to life. Without diversity, life becomes stagnant. It acknowledges and values the importance of everyone, which makes us as a country even better. Martin Luther King, he had a dream. It was for everybody to be united. To stand up for freedom together. Without diversity, there's no progress. And that's what black history is. Black history. More than a month. For a kid whose mom or dad is in prison, life is tough. Now, add a wrongful conviction to that. Life just got a little bit tougher. Trying to explain to friends why mom or dad is not at the school play or at the ball game is something that no kid should ever be faced with. Especially if mom or dad is innocent. Ladies and gentlemen, get involved today to stop the epidemic of wrongful convictions. By remembering a just cause with a monthly, annual, or one-time donation, you can help in the fight against wrongful convictions. Call a just cause today, 1-855-529-4252. We seek justice for the children. As they go to bed at night and mom's not there, dad's not in the other room, to make them feel safe. Not because dad or mom did anything wrong, because justice could not be found. Join us for the children, for they truly are our future. I wanted to be in the military since I was a a kid. I served in the United States Air Force. I served a total of 16 years. I was deployed uh, 13 times. On my second deployment, four bombs hit my vehicle. And at 19 years old, that's the first time I ever saw somebody die. Coming back, I was raging. I started having pretty horrible nightmares. I would wake up in the middle of the night, sweats. I started drinking a lot. I felt worthless. I guess I never recognized it in myself. Eventually, one day, I just walked into the VA hospital and said I'd like to see somebody. Don't suffer alone. You got to find that link with somebody that'll make you let it go it all starts with going to the va there's a whole community of veterans that just want to help you out it's for the guys who couldn't come back so you owe it to them to live well because they're not here with their families Almost 40 children die of heat stroke after being forgotten in a vehicle in 70-degree weather. It takes only minutes for the inside of a car to heat up like an oven. At 104 degrees, heat stroke begins. 
followed by loss of consciousness. Yeah. We've got an hour and a half or so. Leave without your child. Live without them forever. Look before you lock. Brought to you by Kids in Cars. Please have a seat. I'll be honest. Your resume, I don't want to amuse you. I know. Okay, so what would you bring to my company? What do you need? I need a hard worker. Good. I've got two part-time jobs and to help my parents pay the bills. I need problem-solving skills. I got through high school without a car, a phone, or a computer. No college degree, though. Not yet, but life's taught me a lot, and I'm ready for more. Well, you're not the typical kind of candidate that I hire. But you are exactly what I'm looking for. Your company could be missing out on the candidates it needs most. Learn how to find, cultivate, and train a great pool of untapped talent at gradsoflife.org. I'm a mother. I'm a father. I'm a sister. A registered nurse. I serve my country in the United States military. I'm your neighbor. I sit next to you at church. And my child was arrested, held in custody, questioned without my knowledge, exposed to violence, witnessed to rape, Placed in solitary confinement. Unable to call or see me. Shackled to a wall. Beaten. Sentenced as an adult at age 17. Sentenced as an adult at age 16. Sentenced as an adult at age 15. We felt lost. Isolated. Ostracized. Misjudged. Terrified. And in the absence of all hope, my child took his own life. And then I found the Alliance for Youth Justice. They gave me the support and resources to get through one of the most difficult times in my life. Now I know I'm not alone. And neither are you. Now we have a voice. Now we, we have, have power. power. In numbers. In numbers. In numbers. We, we can, can make, make a difference. There are approximately 2 million children in the juvenile and criminal justice system in this country. These are the faces of those families. If you are the family member of a child who has been in the justice system, or if you are someone who supports this movement and is ready to make a difference, visit the Campaign for Youth Justice at www.campaignforyouthjustice.org. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to AJC Radio tonight. Uh, this is AJC Radio, and I'm Lamont Banks, along with the entire crew tonight, discussing something very important, FBI secrecy, and the start of what we have learned to be corruption. I made a disclaimer on the top of this show that we are not addressing all members 
of the FBI by any means. It is those that choose to honor the badge and those that choose to dishonor it. Our hats off to every man and woman that puts their lives on the line uh, for this country under the Federal Bureau of Investigations. We salute you and we appreciate your service. However, you have the other side of the coin that we as an advocacy organization must address and must deal with. And for the last few weeks, we've been talking about uh, the secrecy, the cover-up of different circumstances, whereas the FBI has put themselves in situations that's highly questionable, uh, lives affected in a very, very serious uh, way. And uh, Kendrick, as we get at least go down this hole for the last time, at least for right now, um, you, fr- you firsthand uh, saw some things in, in your case regarding the FBI uh, that was highly questionable. Elaborate a little bit on that. Well, the one thing about the FBI is they do not feel that they need to follow the law or procedures when they do their job. Because the question is, who's going to who's going to say that you're doing wrong? I mean, when we were uh, at IRP Solutions, when they uh, executed a search warrant on us, they never let us see the search warrant. They constantly threatened us with the fact that, hey, we're armed, to the point that when we had attorneys come up to the building, the attorneys were scared, saying, you know, these, these are armed men. So you're telling me that any moment now they're going to kill me and there's nothing I can do. That's basically what they wanted you to believe. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it's like, well, your job was to come here to execute a search warrant. Well, let us see the search warrant that you have. They never let us see it until they left the building. So that, And then in most cases, we can assist you. If you're saying there's something you need, well, let us go get it. No, they, they wanted to be able to have free reign of our corporate offices. They sequestered us all into the break room, which what we found out is if any law enforcement official, FBI included, tells you that you cannot leave a certain area, that's a seizure. And the, in, the, in the Constitution, that's an illegal search or seizure. They cannot tell you you cannot leave without a search warrant. They need those documents, and, they, and, that, and none of that was included in the search warrant. But they didn't care that, hey, we could have you basically under arrest in your, in, in your own business before you can leave. And it's just a culture of we come to intimidate, and you listen to us because we're the law. Once we step on the scene, we're the law, and there is nothing that can help you until you get to trial. Nothing stops them. And that to me, that's, that's, a, that's a policy change that needs to happen in this country is if you want to enforce the law, you should be the ones – Basically, follow the law to the letter, or how can I respect? How do you want us as citizens to respect the law or respect your badge at that point? No, it's critically important. I mean, if we come in as an agency, and this is something that I think is missing in law enforcement as a whole in this country, is the trust of the American people, the trust of neighborhoods, the trust of folks that may not come from the higher side of society uh, in urban neighborhoods where maybe poverty levels at a certain level. There's a reason why mistrust has eased its way into our communities. And I'll tell you, as Kendrick alluded to, if you come in, you know, when I was a kid, if I saw a police car, uh, you kind of knew, hey, those are the good guys. Just as a youngster. Uh, Let's take that to another scale with the FBI. You feel that the people in Washington, uh, and then again, this is a what I believe is coming up as a youngster that, look, you know, you heard about the FBI, you heard about the CIA, you heard about the White House, you heard about 
all these entities of government. You heard about judges. You heard about, you know, courtrooms and all those things. Over the years, and I'm 50 years old, over the years there has been a decay in the trust of these institutions. It's not looked on the same if you have a police officer driving down in a low poverty-stricken neighborhood. They're not considered the good guys in a lot of cases. Uh, so I'm trying to say as a whole, what has happened to the culture of this country? More corruption, more illegal scandals, all types of things, and justice is definitely at bay without true. question. It is. It that's, is. that's true. And just to add to that point, you used to, you, you used to see those cars and you thought those were the good guys. If you saw someone in the back of that car, that was immediately, you know, that was the, that was the bad guy, and that image, and that's what continues with the FBI. They know if once once you are on their radar, you're a bad person. Their your image is smeared. That's one of the things that they bring to the table. It's part of how they, they how they work. Part of their corruption is that it, if just the if they can associate you with anything bad, any kind of bad bad stigma. You'll never really get that off of it. You, sure. you know, it, it, so so that's the thing. But no one, no one sees the FBI in that light. They're not going to see them. And like you said, it, I mean, and question, you know, what are you guys doing? You know, actually be able to question them. Say, listen, you don't have the right to do this. I don't have to answer your questions. You know, these types of things are things that we now have to be aware of and know as citizens that you just don't just because they pull out a badge. It doesn't mean that they're they're doing something honorable. Well, I think what's important is that uh, in the in the in the case of the IRP Solutions uh, Company, um, what is alarming to me is that you have three to four different entities of government on the same page of illegal activity. That's what's really. Really concerning to me, you would think one of the other entities would say, look, wait a minute, what are we doing? What are you doing? The scary part is no one, including the FBI, including the Department of Justice, uh, as far as the U.S. Attorney's Office, uh, none of the, the prosecution, in spite of the fact that they're on the side to, uh, to try a case and convict, where was the voice? In the midst of these powers that said nothing. And then it falls back on the judge. How did a judge allow a subpoena to be obstructed with? How is that how is that possible? So you have all these moving parts here, all with a level of secrecy or illegal, unethical behavior. A judge, number one, knowing that someone in the FBI obstructed the serving of a subpoena to a federal Bureau of Investigations agent, should have immediately sanctioned that, that FBI agent because right. it's the order of that court for the subpoena. That's right. And then, and then on the other side of that, the FBI agent specifically saying if – if you have a smartphone, you will receive notification. But, but even with that, William, where's the head of the FBI here at this moment? Where's the director of that region? Right. Where's the superiors of the FBI that had to be made aware of this action? Right. 
We still heard no action to say, wait a minute, this agent acted in such a way, we are going to call him out. He will be suspended. He'll be removed from the agency because he obstructed justice. Now, in the IRP case, we did contact the, uh, I forgot what they call him, but he was the FBI, basically, uh, special agent in charge. That's the okay. SAC. Now, when they contacted the SAC, and this was, this was the other, this was so-called victims that had contacted the SAC at FBI in Denver. Mm-hmm. And he was like, well, this is, not a, this is not a criminal case. This is civil. Now, when the, when the special agent in charge hears this from one of the so-called victims that were contacted the FBI, he goes, well, this is a civil matter. Well, why didn't he at that point stop and say, wait, let's find who the agent is and tell him this is not something that you should or can pursue criminally? Well, my question is to that, Kendrick, as well. What action was taken against the agent that obstructed justice? Well, see, that is where the accountability comes in. Who was being held accountable? Who held the FBI agent accountable? And why did that uh, special agent in charge not, you know, dig deeper and say, hey, what what are the people in my department doing? Yes. yes. What what are you guys going after this company for? This is a civil matter, which uh, shows you if the SAC didn't know what was going on, that means that his authority was circumvented. And somebody sent down the order to say, no, we want to get this this uh, situation prosecuted. And and that's the thing. I mean, typically you'll have uh, the way that, you know, a, a, a federal case comes up is you'll have somebody in the in the uh, in the public makes a makes a complaint, says, I saw this going on or that going on. The FBI will do its initial investigation, find what they see as exculpatory evidence, take that to a prosecutor and say, look, we found. Um, what we think is evidence of a crime, do you, do you feel like this is something that you would be willing to prosecute? Well, in this situation, everything happened completely backwards. Mm-hmm. The prosecutor sends down, because a favor was called in to uh, Assistant U.S. Attorney Matthew Kirsch, sends down the request to the FBI, go get IRP solutions. I need to, have to try this case and basically get a, a conviction. And like you said earlier, Mont, the accountability all the way up and back down from Judge Christine Arguello should have stopped this. Yes. If the SAC didn't know what was going on and it was brought to a judge saying, hey, this is the situation, well, many people that we talk to in former law enforcement, former prosecutors, former judges, state's attorneys said, where is the crime in this entire indictment? Where is the crime? How did this ever get in front of a judge? So if the FBI is acting like a rogue element or there's somebody that's breaking the law, the accountability has to be there to let them know doing this now is not acceptable. We're putting a stop to you, and you better not do it in the future. Otherwise, you'll find yourself in prison. But as Mm -hmm. we all know, that does not happen. Well, in most cases, the accountability, the chain of command, if you will, is in place for one reason. It continue. It's a chain of authority to ensure that the chain of command is followed. If there's a slip in the crack anywhere, that chain is supposed to catch it somewhere along the way. The FBI, with the funding and the money behind the FBI, the history of the FBI, and this is with any organization or organized company or entity or government 
you would think these things are in place due to the high level of power given to the agency. How does that happen? That's a bit, that's, I mean, as Cliff alluded to, Kendrick alluded to, and as we begin to, to kind of stack the blocks here, uh, it's unacceptable that these things are what they are. Uh, we can't excuse it. They expect us as citizens to have our accountability in place. We are held accountable for our taxes. We're held accountable to follow the law. How is it that the same rules appearing, uh, seemingly do not apply? The more power an agency has, the less accountable they seem to be. And there are circumstances. If, 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 we do, if I do something illegal, there are circumstances. And, and that's what really gets me about this situation is there's no oversight. And, and as you were speaking about, there's no accountability. Yes. So until there are consequences put in place for misconduct, oh. we're going to continue to have an a, a out-of-control FBI agency well, with people doing things that they shouldn't be doing because nobody's holding them accountable. Well, the, te- the system of checks and balances in the government are in place for that reason. Ladies and gentlemen, hold on real quick. We're going to take a, a quick break. Come back. We're going to get into some of this discussion uh, and uh, some of the things that the FBI is now being noted for by the American people. What's being pointed out? What is being observed? What scrutiny is the FBI under these days? And again, talking a little bit about the LASD-9. This is AJC Radio. We'll be right back. Black History Month is huge. It's a way for us to reconnect with our history. Continue to celebrate and acknowledge the immense amount of contributions that black people have made. Black History Month is a celebration of culture. Another opportunity for everyone to remember that we're all human. And to have a month that reminds people that black history is American history. More than just having names and numbers and dates that are in a book. To remember how important it is to be black. I think that the important Black History Month is that if you don't know where you came from, you're not going to be prepared for where you're going. We all stand on the shoulders of somebody else. If I stand tall, it's because I'm standing on the shoulders of those who came before me. Black history. More than a month. Almost every day in the news, we hear stories about innocent people who are returning home after spending years in prison for crimes they did not commit. What you may not know is that their problems don't end once the limelight fades. For many wrongfully convicted individuals don't receive a penny for the injustice that they faced. Take the case of Floyd Bledsoe. He spent 16 years in the Kansas prison for a murder and rape he did not commit. And while Floyd was eventually exonerated, he lost everything his family, his farm, and decades worth of income. Unfortunately, Floyd's story is not unique. Kansas, along with 17 other states, doesn't have a law to compensate wrongfully convicted individuals for the injustices they suffered. And in states with compensation laws, many of those are woefully inadequate. We owe it to all the men and women in all 50 states to provide fair compensation to those who've suffered these injustices. Join me in urging our lawmakers to do the right thing by the wrongfully convicted. Go to innocenceproject.org to find out how you can help.
you know anyone who's been sent to prison who's innocent? The United States is experiencing record numbers of exonerations in cases where people were wrongfully convicted of crimes they did not commit. If you believe that no one should be sent to prison for crimes they didn't commit, there is something that you can do today. By remembering a just cause with a monthly, annual, or one-time donation, you can help in the fight against wrongful convictions. Call a just cause at 855-529-4252 or visit a-justcause.com and click the donate button. A just cause is a 501c3. Wrongful convictions are wrong. Let's be the voice of those who can't speak from behind the wall. Meeting a teen girl online is actually pretty easy. You can go into any chat room and just start talking. Most of the girls are usually so insecure and desperate for attention. Attention from older guys is totally flattering. They're so much more mature and understanding than the guys' mind. Age actually works to my advantage. They like to brag to their friends that they're dating an older guy, so I just play along and pretend I'm really interested. He's interested in the same things I am. You can talk forever and really get to know someone without worrying about looks or whatever. That's the best thing about chatting. Chatting seems unthreatening to them, so they lower their guard. After a while, I start talking about how we're soulmates and how lucky we are to have found each other. Other people don't understand. I know what I'm doing. If you really care about each other, there's nothing wrong with me. Meeting them is the goal. Once I get them out of their house, well, that's when things get really interesting. Online predators know what they're doing. Do you? There are no loose ends in TV procedural dramas. At the end of the hour, the bad guy always gets what's coming to him. Unfortunately, the real world is a lot more complicated. We know from the work of the Innocence Project and other organizations in the Innocence Network that the system doesn't always get it right. According to the National Registry of Exonerations, since 1989, nearly 2,000 people have been exonerated of crimes they didn't commit. What people don't realize is a good number of those people pleaded guilty to crimes even though they were innocent. In fact, in nearly 10% of the nation's DNA exonerations, people pleaded guilty to serious crimes and agreed to serve significant prison time because the system is stacked against them, especially if they are poor and people of color. That's right. The stakes are so high that we have innocent men and women agreeing to serve long prison sentences. A system that puts that much pressure on people to plead guilty is a problem. Visit guiltypleadproblem.org to learn more about the men and women who are pressured into pleading guilty to crimes they didn't commit. And join us in demanding that our elected officials do something to protect the innocent people who get caught up in a broken criminal justice system. Thank you. You can tell a lot about someone by what they spend their money on, their priorities, their concerns, and their motives. Big Pharma says their top priority is research and development. They say that prescription drug costs are so high because they spend so much on research. But the simple truth is nine out of the 10 biggest pharma companies spend 50% more on advertising than they do on research and development. It's true. Tens of billions more. The more they spend, the clearer it becomes. Big Pharma's priorities are more ads, more sales, and higher costs to you. It's time for Big Pharma to get their priorities straight. 
Americans deserve open and honest prescription drug pricing. Let's solve the cost crisis now. Visit CSRXP.org. You must have thrown a thousand pitches teaching him to hit a home run. Spent countless Saturdays running routes so he could learn to hit an open receiver. Endless afternoons teaching him how to hit the three-pointer. But how much time have you spent teaching him what not to hit? Teaching boys that all violence against women is wrong is one of the most important things a man can do. Learn how to start the conversation at teachearly.org. Brought to you by Futures Without Violence and the Ad Council. Over a million people are sitting in the prisons of America for nonviolent offenses. That's why I'm asking you to join the American Civil Liberties Union and help us in the fight to end mass incarceration. We spend over $80 billion a year incarcerating people. Alternatives to prison, like community service, drug treatment, and rehabilitation, costs less and can turn lives around. It's time for fear justice. It's time for smart justice. And we need your help. I can solve difficult problems for a Fortune 500 company. I can run a successful business. I can manage your home improvements. I can publicize your message. I can motivate your audience. I can put my military experience to work for your company. I can teach your children. I can boost your bottom line. I can add value to your workplace. I could be a loyal and productive employee. But I can't put my skills to work for your organization if I'm not given the opportunity. If you don't recognize my talents and ability. If you don't hire me. If you don't have an open mind and a workplace that's open to everyone. If you don't realize that America works best when everybody works. What can you do? What can you do? What can you do? You can remember that it works. It's what people can do. It's what people can do that matters. Nearly 50 million Americans have disabilities. Capitalize on their talents with employment practices that benefit everyone. Learn more at whatcanyoudocampaign.org. Ladies and gentlemen, to AJC Radio tonight as we continue our discussion and the conclusion of our series, the FBI secrecy, and really, if you look at it honestly, the pattern of behavior that has put the FBI in a very serious and questionable place of ethics. Let me be clear, as we have said all night on this show, that we do not put the entirety of the FBI in a scope of bad behavior for the men and women that honor the badge every single day in the federal bureau of investigations we say thank you for your work your efforts every day 
to protect this nation and cities and, and states all over the United States of America. We say thank you. But it, we are still in a position as advocates to point out the obvious. Uh, the FBI's reputation over the years has slowly decayed uh, because of some of those that choose to dishonor the badge. Uh, it is our obligation, it is our duty to share that information with the American people. And Samson, as we get into this second round, if you will, of what we have discussed, the change of culture, if you will, and a culture that has been created that the FBI and other powerful entities of government are above the law. Uh, and the tactics, tactics, excuse me, tactics that are used are highly questionable. How do we address this to the American people? Well, I mean, it's, it's been brought to light several times, you know, uh, throughout uh, news articles over the last couple of years. But, I mean, we've, we've even seen it and done shows about it where, I mean, this goes back decades. I mean, we're talking a century-old institution here that has a, a marred history at best. I mean, we've talked about Whitey Bulls. We've talked about other cases where, you know, uh, as William mentioned before, how they'll use – you know, they're informant to, to get certain information or do certain things and to basically circumvent the law. But then they turn on their own people and, and you know, basically run them under the bus. But then now here in recent history, I mean, you've got all the top brass for the, for the FBI that have come into, at very best, questionable um, situations. I mean, we've got an article here where it talks about James Comey, Andrew McCabe, uh, Peter Strzok, Lisa Page. I mean, and the list goes on. There's at least a dozen, maybe 15 of the top brass associated with the FBI that have been in, in involved with everything from like uh, FISA violations, you know, you know, the 702, uh, spying on American citizens, and just uh, just blatantly illegal actions as far as like constitutional rights violations. So when they at the top establish this type of environment and they establish this type of culture. In their organization, now, like you said before, we know there are good agents out there. We know that there are people that are out there. They're doing it for, for the right reasons. They're out there giving it their all every single day. But there's a culture out there that is just encouraging people to circumvent the law as a means to an end. And honestly, we, we as advocates have to expose that. Well, and it is our job. Uh, again, we were talking a little bit about uh, some of the things privacy uh, acts of, of the United States, the Privacy Act, rather, of the United States, that entitles you to some due privacy. Uh, that if an FBI agent uh, comes into your home, and the, here's the tragic part as we discussed earlier. They've come in and raided homes, made it public to the media, what was going on, and ruined the reputations. Right. Uh, I think we discussed last week, uh, went along the lines of Senator Ted Stevens, what he endured. Other members of Congress, uh, when we were doing our research on that, that they had gone in uh, and, you know, two, three, four in the morning uh, with kids in the house uh, and come to find out they had no right to even be there. Uh, that's a big deal. Listen to this here. It's a story written back in September 26th. Uh, 2019, uh, says federal law enforcement has issued its share of search warrants, but now another one has been ruled to have been a violation of a defendant's Fourth Amendment rights, which is unreasonable search and seizure. In 2017, case involving Wall Street financer Benjamin Way 
Defense Attorney David Siegel said that FBI agents had gone too far in their search for random items during a raided waste office and residence. In June 13, 2017, U.S. District Judge Allison Nathan delivered a blistering account of those FBI raids. Ways attorney. Siegel now admits Levin Kahn, Ferris, Glosky, and Popeil has won an argument in another case where the FBI got a bit over its skiss in a search. Siegel, one of the top white-collar attorneys in the country and former federal prosecutor, has uncovered yet another Fourth Amendment violation, this one in the Eastern District of New York. Siegel represents John Drago, who owned and operated a check-cashing business, Kayla Companies. Federal authorities believe that Drago's business was not paying its fair share of taxes, payments that were insufficient, and documentation that was incomplete. It's a fact that check-cashing businesses handle a lot of cash, and with a lot of cash comes a lot of reporting. One of the additional charges filed against Drago was that was cashing checks totaling more than $10,000 without filing a currency transaction report. Search warrants are issued by judges at the request of law enforcement. In August of 2013, Special Agent Michael Snedker provided an affidavit to the uh, excuse me, an affi- provided an affidavit to an Eastern District New York magistrate judge to request a search of Kayla. The items that could be seized in the raid were listed uh, as records, uh, documents, and materials that moralize or reflect financial transactions between Kayla and its source of cash, including but not limited to contracts, receipts, invoices letter, bank statements, etc. In this case, the warrant's list of items to be seized was extensive. However, there was no mention of any underlying crime that instigated the search. Prosecutors initially argued that the failure of listing an actual crime in the warrant was a typographical error. Are you kidding me? But this is what, this, these are the things that you have people that, you know, I don't know much about this business. But it's a check cashing business. There was nothing, nothing listed as criminal. And so you have agents that supply false information to get a, get a warrant, go in there, and ultimately once a, a person or a citizen finds out that your check cashing place has been raided by the FBI, I got news for you. You're not going to be in business much longer. That's the unfair conduct. That we're talking about here. That's one of many organizations that suffer at the abuse of power. And that's why if you have substantial evidence of criminal activity, why not just do it above board? If there's a problem, what is the problem with that? Well, see, the that's the the thing, the word you use is perfect, Mike. There the problem is that the general public is not aware of their rights. Now, somebody comes to your house and says, we're coming to search. We got a search warrant. Most people don't even know what to look for on that search warrant. They don't know that it needs to state a crime that they're searching for the information about and that it should list explicitly what they're looking for. It shouldn't just be, hey, we're coming into your house, your place of business, and we're looking for some stuff, and you move out of the way and let us look for it. But most people don't don't understand that. And in this situation, you know, the prosecutors got caught. And what was their excuse? Well, it's a it's a uh, typographical error. We we basically forgot to put it on there. That is not an excuse for going into my business and ransacking everything that I have saying that you're looking for something 
but you don't even say why you're looking for it. This is the reason that we say on this show time and time again, know your rights, know the laws, know exactly what's supposed to be going on. If somebody gives you a search warrant, read it, understand what it says and what it is that they're supposed to be going after in your place of business or your home. No, absolutely right. Dennis, your thoughts? I agree. I mean, the, the whole idea is that if, if people are made aware of what to look for when uh, they're approached by FBI agents, uh, they, you know, they won't get, they, they can still get caught up, but at least they know what they're looking at when they look at that warrant to make sure that, uh, in fact, there was a, they, they do have something saying that there was a crime committed and whatever they're looking No, for. I got your point. So, no, I yeah. got your point, Dennis. Listen, uh, this is critical that we, again, bring these things out. I'll tell you what, people are intimidated by a police officer going to a business or going to their home saying, hey, we have a search warrant. You take the highest law enforcement agency in the land going into people's businesses. And they, look, the price and the sacrifices that a lot of these in American uh, commerce to make money, to provide for your family. See, it's a bigger picture that we have to look at here. If the FBI continues these types of actions, it affects our economy. It affects the American people. It affects everybody that's, that's involved. Those people that, working, that are working in that cash check cashing place their jobs become a jeopardy jobs are lost salaries are not paid that's a serious situation that we have to look at uh, and I, I think sometimes we miss the point that what type of abuse of power with any entity what are the what is the collateral damage of that somebody may not may lose their job they can't provide for their family i mean that's nobody's taking a look at that picture well, the same thing happened when we, with Ted Stevens. You know, when we when when that whole situation happened, he ended up losing his seat. He lost a lot. He lost a lot, and he, and, and he passed away. Yes. Before all of it was cleared up, and so when you look at you think about that, look at look at this. So basically, you put this man's life in turmoil for a couple of years. He passes away, loses his seat. His family had to endure that all after. that after. Yeah. Yeah. And then also the effect of, you know, you have to ask yourself, would could he have would he have lived longer if he didn't face the pressure of being investigated well, by the police? You know, I mean, by the FBI. You know, you think about that. You just think about the 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 impact of, you know, the, like we we've talked about. We talked about just the impact of them involved in your life. And so, you know, it's say, hey, you know, what happens if this man would have lived longer and and how his life would have continued on and so you know you have to look at that impact oh absolutely uh, uh samson your thoughts yeah as i was just listening to this i mean not only the 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 thing with uh senator stevens but you know the impact that it also had on his daughter too on her life but then it also reminds me of an article that we have that i was reading about uh another raid on a small business it was uh, an hvac company you know our hvac training school and the FBI went in there. Uh, they raided the business. I mean, we're talking, I think they said there was 80 employees. There was over 300 students that never got to finish their, their classes and stuff like that. They seized $5 million worth of assets, but never on any of the, any of the, uh, the warrants or anything like that listed a crime. Now you're talking about a business that was certified through the VA to accept VA funding to train veterans. And then the... Um, 
the OIG, the Office of the Inspector General, said that they are too successful in training vets to be legitimate. These people made $6 million in a six-week span because of the amount of people they were pushing through the school just to help them transition from military life to a civilian life. But because, you know, the FBI caught wind of it or the FBI didn't like what was going on or they were making too much money from the government because they were getting all this VA money, the FBI decides not only go in there and strong-arm these guys, but they basically shut them down completely. All because, what? Because they were making too much money off the government. And no one was indicted for a crime. Exactly. So they took all their stuff. And then after the fact, you know, the the prosecutor comes back and he says this statement. He says, together to submit fraudulent applications for seizure warrants in an effort to take RRCC's property. This is the company. And therefore destroy RRC's business in the bizarre world of civil forfeiture. RRC is not permitted, the company is not permitted to see the application for the Caesars warrants supporting affidavits because no one has been indicted for a crime. If someone had been indicted, then there would be an opportunity to see and disprove the testimony of the attorney. However, since there is none, they can't even, they can't even go against them. So it, to me, they just have so much power. I mean, you if you can go in and take a company's business and there is no consequences, nothing happens to you, that's too much power. That's just way too much power. Okay, folks, listen, uh, this this discussion goes on. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back, and we're going to deal with more of the FBI corruption, at least the perception of that uh, corruption as well, um, and some scandals that have gone on, which has kind of deteriorated, if you will, the trust of the highest law enforcement agency in the land, Federal Bureau of Investigations. This is Agency Radio. We'll be right back. Black History Month is a month of celebration, uh, a month of you know how far we've come, uh, our past, our people of today. Uh, just a celebration of all black culture. The opportunities that we have today would not exist without the sacrifices of those before us. They really paved the way for us. The things that really matter during the month is just to continue to push forward, to make sure we continue honoring those thoughts and, you know, those individuals. Do you have a big brother? Well, I have a big brother, and... I'm pretty sure that you and I experienced some of the same things with a big brother. Big brothers will always be big brothers, right? I'm sure you'll agree. Well, my brother gets up in the morning. He takes a shower, heads to work, and at some point during the day, he's going to exercise and get that workout, as we all do. And, of course, depending on what's going on, he's going to sit down for two or three meals during the course of his day. And also, depending on what else is going on, he'll probably get caught up on current events and maybe take a few moments to turn a page in a book. How about your big brother? Some of the same stuff, right? Oh, did I mention that my big brother does all of that stuff 
but he actually has to have permission a lot of times before he can do it. You see, my big brother was wrongfully convicted of a crime that he did not commit. That's right. That may sound shocking, huh? He's in prison. Wrongful convictions impact families in ways you cannot begin to imagine. But I've decided that I'm going to do something about it. And I extend an invitation to you to come on board and join me in this fight. You see, I'm helping to be a voice for my big brother and others who have been wrongfully convicted. We'd like you to take a few moments today and call a just cause where we fight for justice. You can call us toll free at 1-855-529-4252. That's 1-855-529-4252. Join with us as we fight for justice and for all big brothers across the land. When news and headlines following an act of gun violence fade away, who's left? The families. Gun violence is real. It affects more people than you would ever imagine. Losing a family member is one of the worst things that anyone can ever go through. This is something that's often forgotten, like what happens to the people after the incident. Although our country struggles to agree on a long-term solution to gun violence, we can all agree on one thing. Any family suffering a loss as a result of gun violence needs our support. Focus needs to shift to the human being. These continue to happen, and more people have joined the club that we didn't ask to be a part of. There's families that are not getting the help that they need. It seems like there's nobody really rallying around the people who have experienced the hardship that we have. So many families in need, and I can really empathize with that. They need our love. Compassion and hope. Life for these families may not get any easier. Their lives are never going to be the same. Ever. But with the support of others, they will get stronger. We can help. The Christina Grimmie Foundation, building a legacy of hope and inspiration. We have a big problem, and we need your help. It's happening on college campuses, at bars, at parties, even in high schools. It's happening to our sisters and our daughters, our wives, and our friends. It's called sexual assault, and it has to stop. We have to stop it. So listen up. If she doesn't consent, or if she can't consent, it's rape, it's assault. It's a crime. It's wrong. If I saw it happening, I was taught you have to do something about it. If I saw it happening, I speak up. If I saw it happening, I'd never blame her. I'd help her. Because I don't want to be a part of the problem. I want to be a part of the solution. We need all of you to be part of the solution. This is about respect. It's about responsibility. It's up to all of us to put an end to sexual assault. And that starts with you. Because one is too many. History is important because it shows where you're coming from and where you're going. Type 2 diabetes is something that runs in my family which means I'm at risk. In fact, one in three American adults are at risk for developing type two diabetes. And knowing this, if I do nothing, that family history becomes my family's future. And my family is too important to me for that. Take the risk factor assessment today 
at AskGreenNo.com. There's a lot of mud when it rains here, and it makes it really hard to find food. There are car bombs every day. My mom worries about me when I go out. Every time I hear the alarm bell go off in school, I think it's an air raid. Sometimes I have nightmares about it. A lot of houses in our neighborhood have been destroyed. I like to close my ears and sing songs whenever the bombs come close. My dad says we have to leave, which makes me scared. I'm worried our new neighbors won't like us. What if they don't understand our religion? Because we don't speak the language, it might be hard for them to make friends. But I know it's all going to be okay. It's all going to be worth it. I just want my family to be safe. But these are not my words. These are not my words. These are not my words. Let me tell you who to blame. Blame the boy lying at your feet, his body oozing life through the hole in his stomach where the bullet tore him apart. Blame him for challenging you, for not looking away and for not backing down when you pulled out the gun. Blame your mother for bringing you into this world when she was but a kid herself and for dragging you up, not bringing you up. Blame society for not giving you hope. Blame your father for not being there the man who looked after himself instead of looking after you. Blame the gun in your hand for making you a target, for making you more likely to be picked on. Blame the dead boy, blame your mother, blame society, blame your father, blame the gun, blame anyone but yourself for not being strong enough to put down the gun, to break the cycle. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to AJC Radio tonight as we continue our discussion uh, along the lines in our series, the conclusion of our series regarding uh, conduct really unbecoming of FBI agents uh, in this country. Uh, And I said a disclaimer earlier, I'll say it again, not to put everybody in the same boat. They're not. Uh, There's a lot of good agents out there doing a lot of good things. We salute you tonight on this show. Uh, But tonight we are dealing with those that who choose by choice to dishonor the badge of the Federal Bureau of Investigations, uh, known as the FBI. Uh, And this discussion has kind of unraveled a few things. We'll play a clip for you really quick uh, regarding FBI scandal uh, and some things that have gone on. Uh, Let's play the clip, and we're going to talk about it on the other side of it. Let's play it. Michigan politicians are trying to undo a new anti-gerrymandering law. In 2018, Michigan voters passed a ballot measure to stop partisan gerrymandering. But politicians who manipulated Michigan's election district maps to keep themselves in power just filed a lawsuit to stop the new anti-gerrymandering law. 
more than 425,000 voters signed the petition to put this amendment on the ballot, and more than 2.5 million voters voted to pass the amendment. Politicians are going against the will of the voters. But voters, not politicians, is fighting back to protect the law and make sure partisan gerrymandering is done for good in Michigan. This week, disgraced former Tallahassee Mayor Scott Maddox pled guilty to corruption charges. Maddox and his business partner, Paige Carter-Smith, accepted at least 40000 from Uber and undercover FBI agents in exchange for supporting local legislation that favored the ride-sharing companies. The duo faces up to 20 years in federal prison and will be back in court on November 19th for sentencing. Maddox was an opponent to Tallahassee's Anti-Corruption Act, which voters passed overwhelmingly with bipartisan support in 2014. The FBI will continue its corruption investigation in Tallahassee. Californians are proving that voters are excited to put an end to gerrymandering. More than 1,000 California residents are applying every day to be part of the Model Citizens Redistricting Commission. The commission is made entirely of citizens, five Democrats, five Republicans, and four from neither major party. It was formed in 2010 by a statewide referendum and is the first of its kind. The commission helps prevent gerrymandering, which is when districts are manipulated by parties and politicians to rig elections. Citizens on the commission get to draw congressional and state legislative district lines, ensuring they are fair and don't give any one party an advantage in elections. There you have it. And uh, I'll tell you right now, folks, the reason the FBI needs to be on an even keel, if you will, to administer justice is for one reason. That clip goes into discussion upon scandal, upon scandal, upon scandal of law enforcement, political leaders everywhere. There's enough corruption in every state in this country to keep the Federal Bureau of Investigations busy. It is imperative that the FBI be held accountable and clean up whatever ills the FBI, because if we are focused on trying to keep the FBI clean and keep them ethically engaged, if they're not, how will we possibly be able to keep our community safe? And from our, whether our elected officials that take a stand or, or lean towards corruption or get caught up in a scandal, if the FBI cannot put their efforts into exposing that legally, then how corrupt does this nation become? How can we keep our community leaders accountable? The reason people fear the FBI is because they are supposed to be the channel of accountability to federal agencies, entities across this country. So this is where I I think people say, well, the FBI has its issues. We have to look at the collateral damage. If the FBI cannot be trusted by its citizens, by its communities, how then will we have faith 
in our leaders that run those communities. William, your thoughts? Well, you don't have any faith if you can't if you can't look to an agency and look to an organization and then it has some kind of respect and some kind of checks and balances that actually does work. You know, I mean that's that's the thing. You don't you don't have this. You don't have it with the FBI. You don't have it. You just have this persona, this image of this huge agency that just rolls in, and you would think that there, if if this, if the local law enforcement doesn't do the job or they can't do the job, you would think that we turn to the FBI and get things resolved. You can't do it. And so, uh, like you said earlier, you know, it's lost. We've seen decades of the, of the erosion of the respect of the organization because of the level of corruption that. I mean, that's listen, folks. When you listen to this show, as I'm as I'm digesting as we go, how can the FBI enforce the law against organized crime, trafficking, the things that we've discussed on this show, human trafficking, where kids in foster care have been ripped up, torn, ripped away from foster care from homes, but human trafficking which is a billion-dollar industry, and it's across, it crosses international shores. So again, if the agency that sees to this, to avoid this, we have kids being caught up in human trafficking. The FBI investigates these things. So if the FBI, the other side of the FBI, is caught up in doing things that are not legal, that are not proper, that are not ethical. How can we trust them with the kids of our nation who are being caught up in Federal Bureau of Investigation investigations? Well, the, what, you're, what you're really driving at is they're participating in the criminal acts themselves. That's bad. And, you know, so, so when you go back and you look at uh, the situation with Whitey Bulger where you're sitting here, he was an informant. They were they, – and he was working with the FBI. He was, he was rolling over on his competition. They were actually performing the sting to take it out his competition. Which is a death sentence. Yes. Now, so you look at this. this, this you are, as an agent of the FBI, acting like organized crime. You're a member well, of the, this. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, this is where – and look, how do you fix it? Uh, there's big dollars here, big money here. When you're dealing with organized crime. You're dealing with – millions of dollars who's getting a cut of that there's been stories there's been reports of agents turning uh, as organized crime figures well there's also been reports of agents that have been spies for foreign countries i mean this is, you know listen, th- this this is serious stuff we're talking it's, it's about a serious thing we started it with the irp6 uh the irp solutions case affected families listen if the FBI is held accountable in the IRP Solutions case and everything is done across board, guess what? IRP 6 are not locked up because the judge would have been held accountable by the Federal Bureau of Investigation. Right, because crimes, in my opinion, the acts of Christine Arguello, federal judge of the Tenth Circuit, the actions of this judge are borderline, if not criminal. And violation of constitutional law. That's the bottom line. Now, we can put any type of face on it, but this is, again, informative to the American people. How does a judge 
remain silent in the midst of an obstruction of justice. Subpoena served on another FBI agent. If a judge, let me tell you something very carefully. If a judge remains silent, knowing a crime has been committed, this is something that was brought to the court. You are equally as complicit in a crime, judge. That's true. By your silence and your failure to act. You are complicit. So if the judge has to come back and say, wait a minute, the FBI is doing things unseemly. Do you know that is cause for a mistrial? Which would they would have had to cancel further proceedings and throw it out. They would have had to. Because the FBI now has crossed the line of law in obstructing a serving of a subpoena, which can affect the outcome of a trial. That is obstruction and grounds for a mistrial. And how can you accept as the court, as a judge, and and an employee of the government as the FBI agent said he's sworn to follow the laws of this country, the Constitution, disrespecting the law by not uh, honoring a subpoena to come testify. I mean, and the, the judge at any time has a right to say, and that's supposed to be the judge's job, is we're this third branch of government that's not supposed to take a side. We're supposed to make sure that the law is applied fairly to and against both the citizen and the government. So then how come you, I guess one day the, uh, the judge woke up and said, you know what, I realized that my check comes from the United States government. That FBI employee's check comes from the U.S. United States government. We're co-workers. Let's work together. No, work and, that and, way. And that's and that's not how it's supposed to work. No. But it's like is if you're not there to do the job you're you swore to do, which is a, as a judge to say I'm going to uphold the law and make sure there's a fairness, then you're like you said, you're a hireling. You got hired. Somebody's paying you, and you're saying basically, the person who pays me the most, I'm I'm going to. Show deference to them. Well, it is what it is, ladies and gentlemen. And I'll tell you right now, we have a problem in this nation. We have a problem with our criminal justice system. We have problems with law enforcement. Uh, The FBI being a law enforcement entity of the United States government. Whenever you have the power to arrest, you are law enforcement. The FBI has the power to seize property to do all these things the power is overwhelming um these are the facts ladies and gentlemen this is what it is and it's something we have to look at as a as a nation william you had some thoughts well you know as we were talking i i, I was re- doing research for this show one of the things that i saw was uh, a case with robert hansen he was a special agent of the fbi and for 22 years, he was basically selling uh, intelligence to the Soviet Union. And reading this was, was kind of amazing because he pretty much started three years after he became he joined the FBI. And this is just one of many cases where he used his position with the FBI to profit. And he basically did exactly what we talked about, where it said he, he – he actually had sold thousands, uh, thousands of classified documents to the KGB from 1979 to, I believe it was 2001. 2001, he was arrested 
um, near his home after he had uh, dropped and left a package, a dead drop, and he was arrested. He was subsequently um, sentenced to 15 life terms. But basically, he had made more than $1.4 million cash and diamonds over that 20-year span, 20-plus year span of selling classified material to a foreign power. And this was an FBI agent. An FBI agent. Okay. And you look at you think about that. This is what we're talking about. This level of corruption. Unchecked. Well the question is, is that can a person be bought? Uh you're talking about millions of dollars. Uh with the things and the cases the FBI is exposed to. You're talking about major players. Major dollars. Does the oath and the loyalty to the United States mean anything? I'll tell you what the problem is. Where have we come as a nation where our citizens at one point were proud to be American and admit something? Have we left our compass? What have we done? Because there was a time... But when I'll tell you right now, when you're dealing with money and power, a person can be bought. That's not nice to say. It is the facts. And we come back after this break, William. I'll get your point when we come back for the final segment of this show. It's getting interesting. This is AJC Radio. We'll be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, can I ask you a question? Did you know that there are over 2.4 million people behind bars in the United States? I'll ask you one more question. Were you aware that that is the highest number of people behind bars in the entire world? The United States makes up of only 5% of the world's population But we have over 25% of the world's prison population. America prides itself on being the most advanced and progressive nation on earth. However, sadly, we are also the world's most archaic. I'm going to give you a personal invitation to get involved with the fight against mass incarceration. Take a few moments to call one 855-529-4252. That is a just cause. And we fight for justice. Again, call a just cause today. Don't delay. Call 1-855-529-4252. It is time, and I say high time, that we take America's incarceration seriously. Won't you join us? Call today. How often does our justice system get it wrong, convicting innocent people of crimes they did not commit? A new project by the University of Michigan Law School and the Center for Wrongful Convictions at Northwestern University School of Law tries to answer that question. In the 
last 23 years, more than 2,000 people have been convicted of serious crimes and later exonerated, according to the National Registry of Exonerations. By far, the largest segment was almost 1,200 defendants falsely convicted because of large-scale patterns of police corruption, generally in drug and gun cases. Of the remaining 873 defendants exonerated, nearly half were wrongly convicted of murder, and of that group, 101 were sentenced to death. On average, it took more than 11 years for a conviction to be set aside. Why does the justice system get it wrong? In homicides, the biggest problem is perjury and false accusation, most often by supposed eyewitnesses. False convictions in adult rape cases are primarily based on mistakes by eyewitnesses, while false convictions in child sex abuse cases are often for fabricated crimes that never occurred. 2,000 exonerations may seem small in a nation with more than 2.3 million people behind bars, but there are far more false convictions than the report contains. Most false convictions are never formally challenged, and those convictions that are successfully overturned receive little or no attention from the media, according to the report's authors. Look, right now... Uh, while you're looking at this on your screen in your hand or on your computer, there's somebody just like you who's sitting in a prison cell. And they didn't do much more than you did, you know, some crazy weekend. You didn't get caught. They got caught. And they can never get uncaught. The United States of America is now the number one incarcerator of human beings in the world, in the history of the world. Uh, we have about 5% of the world's population. We have 25% of the world's prisoners. Um, we, are, we have more people locked up than China. China, who has a billion people, they got fewer prisoners than we do. You know, a lot of times people say, well, if you don't want to do the time, don't do the crime. Really? Have, have you ever committed a crime? You got people who are doing more drugs in, on college campuses, in uh, uh, yacht clubs, country clubs. We all know that's going on, but the SWAT team never shows up there. The SWAT team shows up in the housing projects where you got poorer people doing fewer drugs, and those people go to prison. But think about it. What if one of the times when you were breaking the law, when you had something illegal in your pocket, in your car, at your party, the police had kicked in those doors, would you want to be known for the rest of your life? based on what happened that night. That is what is happening to millions of people. If rich folks' kids get in trouble, they go to rehab. Poor folks' kids get in trouble, they go to prison. And you spend $100,000 per year per kid to lock a kid up. When you could have spent a fraction of that and turned them into a NASA scientist, turned them into a, a fashion icon. When people come home from prison, they're not given the opportunity to start over. You leave a physical prison and you go into a social prison where you can't get a job, you can't get a student loan, you can't rent an, rent an apartment. How are people supposed to start over? And what happens to neighborhoods when you take a disproportionate number of people out for minor offenses and you send them back home with no hope and no opportunity? There are no more excuses to have this horrible system continue when there is now finally bipartisan agreement that it is a tragedy to do this. Not only do you have 
President Obama and the Democrats, you now actually have uh, people like Paul Ryan, Coke Industries, Newt Gingrich, all saying the same thing. We are locking up too many people. We're wasting too much money. We're, we're wasting too much genius in America, and it's time to do something. for your kids don't have to. Find your local food bank at feedingamerica.org slash summer meals for help. Together, we're feeding America. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to AJC Radio tonight as we are coming up on our final segment, if you will, of this show. What we have learned tonight and over the last three weeks is that America and its law enforcement agencies across this country, in part, are in major trouble. It is a PR nightmare that we are dealing with here. We have, for many years, have come to trust law enforcement over the years as youngsters. uh, But things have changed very quickly across this nation. How is it that a federal judge in Colorado, federal judge Christine Arguello, remains silent in the actions and conduct and behavior of FBI officials regarding the IRP Solutions case. How is it that six individuals, now five, had a vision to make America safe? How is it that these men who embraced the entrepreneur spirit become targets of the Federal Bureau of Investigations where armed agents go into this business and put its workers in a kitchenette area, not allowing them to come out. How is it that an FBI agent 
becomes rude and unprofessional with a pastor who was called in to assess the situation. How is it that acts of intimidation were carried out by this same FBI? How is it that an Italian-American outside of the African-American workers in this building is allowed to walk free while unofficially these workers are taken into unofficial custody in a dining area? How is it this is allowed? It is an abuse of power. How is it that these men become indicted falsely, sentenced to outrageous sentences in federal prison? How does that happen? This is what this show has been about. And not only this company and these men and their families who have done day for day, all because what I'd like to say a tag team effect by a federal judge and Federal Bureau of Investigations agents and all that were a part of this. How does that happen? And at the end of the day, these same men are innocent. The men are innocent. Not one guilty. But over seven years of incarceration has happened. Can you answer that, Dennis? No, I cannot. I cannot answer that. I mean, uh, they ruined these guys' lives. Thank God that they have God in their life. But the idea that, you know, uh, nothing was done. I mean, it's the the whole case to me, uh, dealing with the RP uh, solutions, uh, the RP5 is to me, it's baffled. It baffles me. Uh, I don't think I'll ever trust. I, I know I won't trust the FBI, but I, I know from this fact, from this point on, that uh, I really don't trust uh, any legal authorities whatsoever uh, because they'll use anything and everything uh, to ruin somebody's life, and, and I, I, I just can't do that. Well, look, it is – look, and again, this is something that affects all of us. When injustice visits your front door, the tears are there, the pain. I believe, as I alluded to earlier, had someone been accountable here, federal judge done her job, director of the FBI done their job, the supervisor in charge, as Kendrick alluded to, had done their job. But that's talking about doing something special. Had you just done your job? Had you upheld the oath in which you took to administer justice, this is why this is unimaginable, but it is a reality in which we live. All the pieces to convict these men all had a piece in it. 
for their conduct. I'm the judge of Guayo, Christina Guayo, the FBI that obstructed the serving of a subpoena, Matthew Kirsch, AUSA at the time, who prosecuted this case. All had a part of this conviction. So for someone to say, I won't trust the FBI, we lived in justice. How do you betray that trust and mend it? How do you do it? The families, the birthdays, the Christmases, in the case of David Banks, the loss of his sister. He's incarcerated a little over a year ago. The collateral damage of this behavior is unacceptable. It's not as simple, oh, yeah, they did something. You don't understand. You must live this injustice to understand it. Till you live it. And I'm saying to the American people tonight, know your rights. Know your rights. Because if it happened to these men, it can happen to you. So this show is not about just talking. We're saying take a look. Be informed of what's going on. This is the reality we live in today. And we talked briefly before regarding the LASD 9 Sheriff's Department, L.A. County Jail Sheriff's Department. Everybody has a lot of opinions there. You're entitled to that. Did I say that the Sheriff's Department in L.A. County was perfect? Probably not. As I said earlier on the top of this show, you got some bad apples in the bunch. That happens. But does it excuse the behavior of what the FBI did? We're going to play a quick a quick intro to that. We're going to get into discussion as we close this segment tonight on the LASD 9 and the conversations I had with some of the spouses, some of the men who have seen what happened, happened. And again, you can have an opinion on the, L- on the sheriff's department all day. Doesn't excuse the abuse of power done by the FBI. We're going to get into that discussion. Let's play the clip. Well, from Sheriff's Command or Sheriff's Second in Command to convicted criminal, former L.A. Undersheriff Paul Tanaka was found guilty of federal corruption charges today. CBS 2's Dave Lopez reports it took the jury less time to deliberate than it took Tanaka to plead his case on the stand. After a jury convicted him, and a federal judge allowed him to remain free, Paul Tanaka, at one time the second most powerful man in the L.A. County Sheriff's Department, ran from the media, and his sister wept on the courthouse steps. I'm angry at this time. A four-year investigation by the FBI looking into jail abuse led to a 10-day trial. Tanaka testified for four hours over two days, denying that he did anything wrong. Yet, the jury took just two hours to convict him. He was evasive. He was very evasive. Mr. Tanaka's own words were that the undersheriff ran the department day to day 
and if the sheriff was the face of the department. I don't know if stunned is, is quite the word. Tanaka's defense attorney, Jerome Hay, said they will appeal. We're not going to time what the jury did, but we do believe that there was overwhelming evidence justifying a swift verdict. Not quite four years ago, the FBI used a jail inmate, Anthony Brown, as an informant, gave him a cell phone. The jury was told that when then-Sheriff Lee Baca and Paul Tanaka found out about it, they went into a rage. Tanaka was ordered by Baca to head up this investigation and find out how it happened. And then witness after witness told the jury that Tanaka gave orders to all of his deputies, do not cooperate with the FBI in any way. And then the jury was told that when one of the FBI agents investigating the case was threatened with arrest, she was told, if you don't like it, go see Tanaka. Well, there you have it. And I'll tell you right now, unacceptable behavior by the FBI. How do you go into the largest county jail in the country, smuggling a cell phone, give it to an informant in the jail, and do not alert the higher ups of the jail of what you're doing? Now, again, you can have your opinion on the sheriff's department there. Kendrick, you you made a good point uh, during the break as we got ready to get into this discussion. The FBI is out of line, period. Yeah, they're totally out of line because they're breaking state law. And so I understand that you're, you're feds, but it's still illegal for anyone to smuggle a cell phone into a prison and give to an inmate who... This inmate could very well be threatening people on that phone because uh, you can't control who he calls. You don't know what he's doing with that you phone. No idea. Now, granted, you're trying to stop corruption in the L.A. County Jail. There's a better way to do that. Well, his his testimony alone would have been enough. But when you smuggle in uh, contraband, contraband basically. Now, do that in the federal prison. You see, see how far they get. I mean, it's illegal in any, any prison. And you can't any do that. Prison, in any prison, state or, or jail. federal, you can't direct. And I'll tell you right now, thanks, Kendrick. These are things that, and when they say that Tanaka was outraged, he should have been. Because guess what? Every officer, every inmate with that type of action by the FBI, their life is at risk immediately. Because you don't know who's calling who, what's being set up. Is somebody coming to break me out of here? Is somebody going to harm? This is why communication devices are not allowed in county jail or any prison across this country. So this, again, it makes you believe that the FBI has, not all, but whatever agents choose to do this, they're suffering from a God complex. And then when they call out the FBI for what they did, they threatened to arrest them. And how can you call that? obstruction of justice if you're endangering the lives of other inmates and you're endangering the lives of the deputies by allowing them to smuggle a cell phone there. That is uh, – they can can run a whole communication network unbeknownst to the county and the state and get a lot of things done with the FBI. And and all they can do is say, hey, uh, the the feds are backing me. I mean that's going to give anybody he's working with, co-conspirator, the confidence to, hey, 
We can do what we want with the cell phone. The well, fans are beckoning. Well, they came up further to say that the person they chose as the informant was not credible. We did a press release on this. Let's share a little bit from that back in 2017. And it states the LASD-9 case was not about obstruction of justice, as the government contends. It was about the FBI and Los Angeles U.S. Attorney's Office abusing its power to vindictively prosecute Sheriff Lee Baca and other LASD officials uh, under Sheriff Paul Tanaka uh, and a variety of others uh, into deputy abuses, orchestrated the alleged illegal smuggling of a cell phone and narcotics into a violent inmate informant housed in LASD jail. Uh, Not only that, the FBI knew that smuggling a cell phone into the jail was reckless, dangerous, and wrong. The FBI discussed the dangers of cell phones as prison contraband in July 2010, where it urged jail and prison officials to take aggressive measures to detect because inmates use them to facilitate criminal activity that not only endangers jail personnel and other prisoners by a by the community at large. This is what the FBI said we cannot allow. But you secretly smuggle the very thing you said is reckless into the jail. Doesn't matter what your motives are. As Kendrick just said, you can't do it illegally. You can't be Robin Hood. Robin Hood was known for stealing to help the poor. Still stealing. It doesn't. It doesn't justify it. Uh, Samson, your thoughts? No, I was just sitting here, like just shaking my head at the fact that you know they, like you went and said about their God complex. I mean, they're basically doing a, uh, a do as I say, not as I do kind of kind of approach this thing. You're saying, oh yeah, we got to keep cell phones, we got to keep contraband stuff like that out of the prisons. And yet here they are, as again, as a means to their own end. Oh, we're going to get these narcotics, these this cell phone, you know, to um, this informant that we have on the inside because we want to try and find some dirt on the L.A. Sheriff's Department. We want to try and, and, and dig up something on these guys. And so, okay, yeah, it's okay for us to do it, but, you know, if, like, like we've said before, if any other regular citizen did something like this, We'd be in jail right beside the person we were trying to get the cell phone to. FBI Assistant Director in Charge Stephen Martinez testified that once LASD officials compromised the FBI's cell phone through a random search of Brown's property, he didn't think the FBI had viable way of continuing the operation with Brown, Brown being the informant. Okay? Martinez told Baca that Brown should be placed in protective custody testifying that he was concerned with Brown's safety and him being housed in a LASD jail after he was exposed as an FBI informant. Martinez's concern for Brown's safety is admirable and appropriate, but where was the FBI's concern about the safety of LASD staff, inmates, and the public before they allegedly violated their own policy and California law by orchestrating the smuggling of a cell phone into a violent inmate informant. Furthermore, if Brown was no longer of value to the FBI, how did the LASD officials obstruct justice when they moved Brown as part of their internal investigation for protective custody reasons? 
It is policy in every county jail across the country that if an informant cover is blown, he is moved because they will kill him on whatever property they stand. It is also protocol that there are random searches of inmates and their living quarters consistently with prison rules and county jail rules. That's across the board. So for them, and it is protocol that if you discover a phone, a device, a shank, a weapon of any kind, it is confiscated immediately, and the person where it is found is taken into custody. They're taken to the shoe automatically. And you're telling me you couldn't find one deputy sheriff that you could have gave, said, hey, take pictures for us, that wasn't corrupt? I mean, you would give it to an inmate? I mean, that's that's just my thinking. You'd rather smuggle it in to an inmate. Granted, they were there were some abuses there, but there's a lot of bias from that inmate, and you can't trust well what what information he's showing you and giving you, and why. I mean, could you could have just gave it to a deputy that was concerned about how things were done in the prison? They could have took pictures, but to, but the big issue I have with it is. Why would you feel it's good, okay, that because we're the FBI, we don't care about state law? Oh, who cares? We're the feds. We're going to break that law, give that contraband to an inmate uh, to basically build our case. That, that's just well disrespectful. The FBI claims that Tanaka moved the inmate and in moving him obstructed justice. He had to move him. The sheriff's county had to move him. It says here that not a single LASD official involved in the investigation or government witness involved in the case has ever said Tanaka gave them an order to hide Brown or to obstruct the FBI investigation in any way. It's obvious Baca ordered and directed the investigation in his April 12th interview with the FBI, where he told investigators he was the Marco manager and Captain Kerry was the micromanager. That's what he stated. And I'm going to tell you right now, folks. I've been in county jail wrongfully convicted of a crime. I've been in a few counties. And I'll tell you right now, what the FBI did is a clear abuse of power. And another point, if the sheriff's department did not know he had a cell phone and caught him with the cell phone. They did what they're supposed to. Immediately he's in trouble. Yes. Anybody, if you get caught with contraband, you're in trouble. Yes. And you're sentenced to segregation. That's not hiding a person. That's protocol. That's protocol. They want to figure out how did you get the cell phone. Thank you. Thank you. And, and well said, Kendrick. Look, this, these are the facts, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, if you start going into county jails and feeling like you can go in and do whatever you want, I'm going to tell you right now, somebody's going to die as a result of that. That's just the reality of, of incarceration. Whether it be county jail or federal prison or state prison, they can't have it. And from everything I read in this case, the, the, the L.A. County Sheriff's Department acted in this case. Like, Kendrick, you just stated, there were probably abuses there. It's, every, it's in every jail. You find it. But what the FBI did here in this case and how they conducted themselves 
was flat wrong. William, your thoughts? You know, it, it's amazing to sit here and listen to this and understand what what they did under the covers behind behind their own agency, another uh, you know like a sister agency, uh, their own brothers in arms, you know, in other words. But when you listen to this, it's just really amazing how you put people at risk. You put you, I mean, how many people total did you put at risk? Did the FBI put at risk? To accomplish what? And then when it's all said and done, they said the, the informant had no credibility. None. I mean, you know, so you sit there and you're like, okay, who came up with this scheme? <laughs> I mean, you know, you really have to think about it. You say, who came up with this elaborate scheme? And the one person that you're counting on is not even a credible person. I mean, how dumb is this? You know, it's like you put – I don't know how else to describe it, but it's really amazing to listen to this. And you think you put all these people at risk. You put – you have fellow agents. Their lives are sitting there. Those that are in the prison, those you know, being the, the, the staff there. The other pri- yep. you know, so you sit there and you, you, you add it all up. And you sit there to the one point you say, well, okay, you did all this banking on a person that had no credibility. Well, look, folks, this is clear. Uh, man, we don't have enough time in a show to get through all of it. Um, this will conclude our series, uh, but I think we've given enough informative information uh, that is to open the eyes of the American people. And I would recommend that all of you pull the Privacy Act. You can go to Google, type in Privacy Act. Pull it up, read it. Keep it next to your bed, in your nightstand, wherever it is. And if ever an agent comes into your house Please know your rights. Know that you have the right uh, to not even speak to them, to not incriminate yourself, to not say anything they are counting on um, to bring some type of form of indictment or anything like that. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, innocent people go to prison every single day. Innocent people's lives are ruined every single day. I will say this again for the last time. The FBI as a whole is a well-respected agency. And without their efforts and the sacrifices made by the men and women that wear the badge, this country would be in a far worse position. However, to those that honor the badge, we say thank you. But those that dishonor the badge, we also have something to say. Change your behavior. Change your conduct. And for, for really, what really needs to happen is that every agent be held accountable. Every supervisor be held accountable. Do what the oath that you took told you to do. And this has been a very serious series over the last few weeks. It's, it's been informative. I hope in some way we've shed some light on some of those that abuse the badge in the FBI, as well as judges. This case, we talked about Christine Arguello. For the good judges that uphold the law and the Constitution, we also say thank you. Until next time, America, this is AJC Radio. Good night.
Thank you.